Greetings, dear, dear listeners, and welcome to another episode of The Working Experience, a very warm, open-arm audio embrace and a squeeze. This episode is brought to you by my company, One Circle Media. One Circle Media is a hybrid digital agency and media content creator. We create and design apps, websites, videos, social media content, and physical products. We are artists, directors, designers, producers, coders, editors, thinkers, makers, and creators who embrace story and creativity from design, web and app development, animation, docs, features, TV shows, digital and social media content to physical products. For our clients, we create content that builds networks and audiences across multiple platforms. Check out our work at OneCircleDigital.com and OneCircleBrand.com. If you work for a network, studio, brand, startup, or corporation and are looking for a partner to create media that will build, engage, and entertain, reach out to me at John at OneCircleMedia.com. I'd love to hear from you. This episode is also brought to you by an app that I created called Still Believe. Still Believe transforms a picture in your home into video proof of your child's favorite magical characters. With the app, parents can catch the magic of the tooth fairy, leaving money under their children's pillow or Santa delivering presents on Christmas Eve in their home. You download the app, take a picture, and we create the magic. We utilize feature film visual effects artists to transform your picture into video. Just tell your kids that you have a special app that can detect and capture the tooth fairy then present them with the video proof in the morning. The look on their faces is priceless. Your Still Believe video is created in minutes, and you can then save it to your phone and share it on social media. The app is available for the iPhone and Android, and it's free to download. Our aim is to bring joy and wonder into the hearts of children around the world. Check it out at stillbelieve.co. Thanks, everyone, and I hope you enjoyed this episode of The Working Experience. The working experience. Route 93 North is almost at a standstill. It's a rough one out there this morning. Snow and sleet. There is no service on Stand the- clear of the closing doors, please. Uh, yeah, folks, we're going to be a few minutes. We have train traffic ahead of us. We should be moving shortly. John, we need that report ASAP. Where are we on that presentation? And HR wants to see you. Did you return that email yet? We have a team meeting at 10. To stay late, Bob. Teamwork makes the dream work. They're moving in a different and after the meeting, we'll have a breakout session. Who ate my Where are my hot pockets? This microwave is disgusting. Oh, God, what's that? He was wow. moving his Sexual toenails at his desk. I can't take it anymore. I can't take it anymore. I can't. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Working Experience Podcast. It's Maddie Kay. And John, coming from you from the hotbed of this coronavirus in New York. I know Maddie's uh, holding things down up in Massachusetts, but we're over 100,000 infected. Good old New York State. Live from the bunker. Got from a, the bunker, baby. Yeah, I know. Um, Donald Trump, in classic Donald Trump fashion, uh, said he was going to quarantine New York, New Jersey, and Connecticut without consulting any of those governors. Um, double down on it on Twitter. Uh, Governor Cuomo said he had no idea what Trump was talking about. They'd never talked about any of this. They had no idea of the feasibility or legality of this. And then this morning, Trump backed off of it. <laughs> <laughs> 
What is? I don't understand what is wrong dude, with I, this I, man, dude. I follow him on Twitter. It is hilarious. I do too. It's hilarious. Yeah. I mean, well, it would be if he weren't the leader of the free world. It would be funny, like in a vacuum. On well, you know what? I, I was. I mean, I was reading yesterday, and it was like his tweets were like fake news, fake news, fake. It's like, dude, we're in a pandemic. I know. Like we have surpassed China. Like, what are you right. talking about? Fake news? No, he can't stop. His his mind just latches on to something, and and then the rest of it is like a bird flying around in a garage that can't get out, <laughs> looking for a way out. <laughs> I went into the garage. I thought of that because yesterday I was going out and I went to the garage, and uh, a bird was in there, and it was trying to. There was there's yeah, one the same thing happened to me two days ago. Yeah, bird was in the garage. There was one window pane that's fallen out over the winter you know and it just yep. it kept tapping every window pane except getting to that square <laughs> that one square of course right it's the one way out both garage doors are wide open i mean it could just fly out the garage door but no it kept and that that's donald trump that's making announcements announcements to the national media that he's going to quarantine Three states without consulting anybody. I, I think uh, I think governors and mayors they're just not listening. No, they're just doing their own thing. No, you, you can't listen to any of this stuff. It's just ludicrous. I mean, it's like we're in the as you say, this is not the NFL. Like we're in the middle of a global crisis, and we have this man as our purported leader. It's amazing. Um, so instead of gloom and dooming this whole thing, uh, businesses have been hurt badly. We all know this. Uh, we did a podcast on, I think our last podcast talked about basically the restaurant industry, but you talk about the cruise industry, the airline industry, just uh, all the like sports shops. You know, I was working with a guy yesterday doing some videos and he tried to go to the sporting goods store and it's closed. Gyms are closed. Like, everything's just closed. A lot of businesses have been hurt badly, been hit badly. Um, but there are businesses that are doing well. There are businesses that are thriving, uh, either because they've adapted or because their services have come to the forefront in this environment. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> there are, you know, look at, um, you know, supermarkets i mean or like you know major um like uh png tied you know uh even cell phones i mean cell phone companies you know netflix i mean everyone's cooped up on yeah. their phones and watching movies um so I, I found a list here of 10 small businesses that are thriving during the coronavirus. Now, these are small businesses, which I think, um, you know, they hit a niche that it, it's either feast or famine, I think. Either their services, either no one cares about or uh, they've been closed down, like sporting goods, you know, it's like in gyms. I mean, they have, they have one thing they offer and, uh, you know, the gyms can't be open, the store. They're not essential businesses, so they're not open. Um, but some businesses have uh, have adapted, have um, either that or what they offered, again, is what people really need right now. Now, 
you know, just to go back to the restaurant thing, um, high-end restaurants have been hit very badly. I think a number of them I was just reading in the Boston area have stopped doing the takeout thing. They just couldn't make it work. Um, a restaurant was recommended to me, and I called them on, uh, was it Friday? Or no, last Thursday? And they didn't even answer the phone. Like, they just apparently are not doing it. Um, you know, as we were talking about, I'm not going to get a $100 meal for takeout. I mean, to me, that's ridiculous. I'm not, or even a $50 meal. Um, but businesses well, like... Well, those those restaurants in the higher end that were, you know, specifically for dine-in only, they're, right. they're just getting killed. And they, you know, they've tried to adapt. I know some high-end restaurants, they were trying to do, you know, you could take out alcohol and, and all this. And uh, it just, you know, people aren't aren't really having it. I think the places that are really going to thrive are the small pizza places that have routinely done takeout. Chinese, well, I don't know about Chinese food because of people's kind of idiotic prejudices. But um, takeout places that have always done takeout, uh, I think they'll, they're going to see a huge increase in business. I mean, I just know the pizza place I went to maybe the previous week, I've never seen so many people in there. Like it was just jammed and I had to wait. Right. You know, normally I call, they say 15 minutes this time. It was like, could you give us about 40 minutes? And then I went over there and I still had to wait about 10, 15 minutes, you know, which was fine. They were working hard trying to get all this stuff out. So some businesses, you know, have, uh, have, I, I hate to say benefited, but, um, They've seen their their business grow. So one they listed here are cleaning services. Uh, people want services to come in and like restaurants, offices, uh, schools, private homes. They need these businesses to come in there and disinfect the whole place. Yeah, no, that's what happened to both of my uh, son's schools. They went in there and like professional grade, like hospital grade cleaning supplies. It says here that disinfected. Unistar Cleaning Service in Manchester, New Hampshire, has had business pick up so much that they've hired several additional workers. So, if you're looking for a job, uh, I guess that's one place to look. Uh, the thing is, though, I, I've heard not not to you know these are needed, but uh, a school, for example, I was thinking about this like they can spend the next month disinfecting this thing every day, but as soon as People come back in. I mean, the, the virus comes back in with people. But, but I mean, yeah. you know. <laughs> well, I've I've hired someone who just follows around, follows me around in a hazmat suit and feeds me, <laughs> wipes me, everything. You were sort of doing that before the coronavirus, though. So. Yes, before the and everybody thought I was kind of off for doing it, but now now, now they know. Hey. In the land of the blind, the one-eyed man is king. <laughs> so there you go. Uh, delivery services. Uh, I think probably Amazon. I don't know how much they've picked up. And again, I don't want to assign nefarious intentions on the part of Jeff Bezos or anyone. But, I mean, his business, I don't know how much it must have picked up with people ordering stuff. Well, Am Amazon, uh, Costco, um you know, all those big, I mean, I know Trader Joe's, I mean, people are stocking up on supplies. 
So they must have gotten a massive bump in business from people who are hoarding stuff. And then also too, like nobody's really eating out anymore. So people still got to eat. So they got to go to the stores and, and buy the ingredients. So I think those, uh, those stores are going to see a significant bump uh, in, in business. Well, and people, some people who are very, you know, uh, conscious, they don't even want to go to grocery stores. They're going to have them delivered. So the delivery services fill that purpose or, you know, somebody with three kids and it's really hard to go out to the grocery store, especially now they don't want to take their kids out. Um, well, I went out, I went out last night. We, we get, we do takeout once a week now just to keep some sort of normalcy with the boys. I went out last night and it was a ghost town. Where like did I was driving at eight o'clock. I was, went to a local pizza place just to get pizza. Yeah. Ghost town. Yeah. Well, it's at Madeline Sandlin, who's the director of business development for Grub South, which is a uh, local delivery service in Huntsville, Alabama. She said they had to recently hire 30 new drivers and added many new restaurants. So I guess they, oh, they, they added new restaurants to their, um, so I, I guess like a Grubhub or something like that, they will, you know, they have a list of restaurants that use them. So a lot of restaurants have signed on to using these delivery services. So again, you know, for people who um, are struggling, I'm not saying, you know, I don't mean to be patronizing and say you can just go do delivery, but they are hiring. I know CVS was hiring like 50,000 new employees to deal with. Yeah, uh, like, yeah the CVS, the, pharma the pharmacy, um, all those drugstores. Yeah. I mean, people are, you know, people, I'm sure like also um, like cough medicines and all that. I'm sure people are just buying that stuff like hotcakes. Uh, you know, CVS has had curbside delivery for a long time. Well, I would say probably almost a year, which I really didn't understand. And I, I kind of, there's a CVS right that I can walk to that I go to frequently. And I know a couple of the people in there. And I mentioned to one of the cashiers like about the curbside. And he was like, yeah, it's a real pain in the neck. Because <laughs> he's like, you know, I, I mean, like, I don't understand like, people getting on their app and ordering stuff and then not getting out of there. I'm like, is it, is it that hard to go into a CVS? <laughs> but these days people don't want to go in. No. They're, I mean, what you would think that was ridiculous, you know, three weeks ago is now commonplace. Yeah. And I thought like you seriously, can't, or like people who would order coffee from Dunkin Donuts on their phone and they, you know, so right when they get it there, it's like, what are you in the Indy 500? I mean, Jesus, can't you just go in and order Well, you your know, coffee? Dunkin' Donuts is still open. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The one right near me. Uh, they don't even have a drive-up window. You can go in and you can order and you can, you know, leave. The other ones that have a drive-through, only the drive-through is open. Um, right, Which right. I don't really like using, but... Uh, Grocery stores, as we've said, you know, they're one of the few places that are open. Probably, you know, people go for just kind of a sense of normalcy. You know, they just kind of want to feel like they're doing something that they would normally do. And, you know, they go by. And I don't, I don't know if it's um, the same by you, but the 
our local stop and shop has like early hours for people over 60. Yeah. So they open up and like an hour, an hour and a half before and only um, older folks are, are allowed, you know, to mitigate the spread. Yeah. I was joking with my mother uh, because one store they were at first they were advertising hours it was 5.30 a.m. to 7 a.m. <laughs> and the thought being that, like, old people are up at, like, 4 a.m. anyway. Yeah. So, <laughs> like, you know, I'm sure not every elderly person wants to go shopping at 5.30 in the morning. But I think they've kind well, of... Well, I think the, the thought behind that is, you know, they've just cleaned the store. Yes. And... You know, it's the most sanitized it could possibly be. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. Uh, this one should come as no surprise. Liquor and wine stores. I mean, those are essential Booming. services. I mean, it. I drove past. Do you have um like bottles and cases but up by you? Is that a store? Yeah. No. It's like a chain by us. There was. No parking. I literally saw, <laughs> as I was passing at about 30 miles an hour, I saw three people walking out, not with bags, but with boxes, yeah. cases of wine. Stocking up, baby. You got to stock Stocking up. Stocking up. That, that can be a dangerous cycle, though. You know, you start cracking that bottle earlier and earlier, and you're... Yeah. You know, it's a, it's, a black, it's a black hole. Well, I can envision people just staying up late putting away booze then you get up later and you kind of feel like crap you got you have yeah you have nowhere to go nowhere to go like, so might as well crack open the yeah. wine. <laughs> I mean, it's like you know you probably work a couple hours a day a few conference calls and you know that's that's about it i don't know um vintage and, and happy hour probably starting early and earlier each day I actually, and it was probably first day. It was probably about six. Oh, and then it got down to five. Now I'm sure it's noon. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I saw this woman. She was uh, on the news. They were having like a party, and it was her and her husband. They're all skyping, like they all just you know people were skyping in their homes and they were talking to each other. Right, right. And, you know, I was like, well, people don't. You know, I, I have a, a friend who has a. Um, his wife has a friend who's divorced. She lives alone. Her kids have moved out of the house. And he said she is texting his wife like nonstop because she, <laughs> she's all by herself. And she's right. very lonely. And it was like, you know, she doesn't, can't go anywhere. I guess, I don't know where her kids are or anything. I don't know the woman personally, but yeah. Well, that's, the, I mean, that's another real factor of this is the isolation factor. Oh. You know, for elderly people, that is like, that's so bad. You know, like a lot of, there's a lot of elder housing around where I live. And, you know, it's these kind of big buildings. I mean, they seem nice enough and everything. But for a lot of these older people going out for a meal at their local diner, like that was their thing. That's what they did for social yeah. interaction, you know, yeah. and they don't have that anymore. And. You know, it's rough, especially if they don't have kids around and, you know, things like that. It's, r it's rough. It is. That and is really rough. 
you know, and, you know, normally in normal everyday existence, they would barely get out and their social interaction would be next to zero. Now, yeah, I know. they're there. It's zero. Right. And a lot of elderly people are not online as much. You know, they don't have the social media aspect either. So that's tough. Um, it's tough. So that's why the liquor and wine stores are <laughs> still open. Business Vin- is booming. Vintage grape, wines, and spirits told Bloomberg, this is in New York City, told Bloomberg that it's been difficult to keep up with demand with people wanting to stock up at home. So much for family time and everyone yeah, getting right. to know each other better. And all. Yeah. It's like, oh. Dad, dad is three sheets to the wind. <laughs> yeah. He's playing Monopoly. Yeah. He's grabbing his son. <laughs> God damn it. Give me that park. <laughs> and as soon as you start to get to know your family, you realize, God, I can't stand these people. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. What a bunch of a-holes these people are. <laughs> This is my kid? <laughs> God, I never realized how ignorant he was. <laughs> what do you spend all your time on your phone? <laughs> my uh, my dad had a, a kind of a bit of a cynical sense of humor. And one time me, him, and my brother went out to Utah to go skiing. And, we, you know, we stayed right. in this condo and then we came back. And routinely when we would go to a, a family gathering or a party after this, he would tell somebody about it and then he'd say, yeah, it was, it was great. You know, we got to spend time together and get to know each other. And the person would be nodding very earnestly and then he'd go, we figured out none of us like each other very much. <laughs> and he would say it with this deadpan look and the person, the, always the other person's look would be like, what kind of monster is this? <laughs> yeah, we don't like, uh, no, I, I can't stand Your, your dad was ahead of his time. Yeah, he really was. Uh, meal prep delivery he, he, services. Your dad didn't need a quarantine to hate his family. So hats off to him. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, meal prep delivery services. Uh, let's see. So this is different, I guess, than just, let's see. Eat Clean Bro, a freehold New Jersey-based meal prep and delivery service, has seen a surge in orders from new and returning customers. Uh, take it. So this, so this is what meal prep, meal prep company. Yeah, I don't know really what that is. That like a Blue Apron, maybe something like that kind of idea. It sounds like it's. Um, there are companies that um, that don't have. They're, they're basically like a restaurant, but there's no storefront, and it's just to go meals. Oh, okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think that's what it is. Well, and then there was also, I don't know how these businesses are doing, uh, like Blue Apron. And my brother uh, and sister-in-law did that for a while. I was kind of wondering in general, because I didn't hear that much about them anymore. Like Blue Apron was the company, just for our listeners who might not be familiar, they would send you all the ingredients to make a meal. Um, And it was a pretty good idea because like they would send you like, just the right amount of the different spices. So it was like, you know, you might need saffron for to make. Did you it. ever do a blue apron? I never did. No, but I've had the meals. And when I was down there, uh, my brother Paul, I d- I them. did it. How was it? Was it worth yeah. it? To yeah. me, to me financially, it just never made a lot of sense. It just seemed very expensive. It, it doesn't. It doesn't make any sense. And also, too, it's the, you know, your, you know, I've got. T- you know, just in our family, not everybody eats the same thing. 
Do you know what I mean? So it's, yeah. and I've also found the portions were not big enough. Right. Yeah. I would end up eating like, it would be like a meal for three and I'd end up eat, eating that meal as one person. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which, you know, probably bespeaks to your personality and whatnot. Yes. But no, no, exactly. I, I found that. I mean, it's a good concept because you don't like, you know, you end up with like jars of spices that you never use. And eventually they do. I mean, they don't really go bad, but they're not exactly flavorful. But also with Blue Apron, you ended up with all these boxes, like endless packaging that yeah, and all the, also all the packaging within the boxes. Yeah, it, you know, it just seemed like a lot to deal with. And then, you know, again... It was, it was pretty straightforward and simple to make, though, yes. I will say that. Yeah, and they had good ideas to, th- you know, things you wouldn't normally make. Again, because, like, who has a big jar of saffron sitting around? But, um, I don't, so I don't know if that's what that thing is, uh, Eat Clean Bro and those types of businesses. But anyway, they're doing well canned and jarred goods companies which makes sense because people are trying to uh make sure they have enough non-perishable things um, you know what it just you know what just popped into my head is our idea of having someone come to your house to wipe your butt <laughs> would would have been a booming business because here's the deal we could they no no toilet paper needed they come right? with the toilet paper. They actually have like a roll, almost like a holster on the side <laughs> of their hip, <laughs> and the like the best toilet paper out there. This business would have been booming. Well, yeah, but you also have to think about. Actually, you know what? That's a good, that's a good viral video for us to do. Yeah, well, I saw a good viral video yesterday. It was a guy pulling up. And he's like, all right, who, who, how do you know, blah, blah, blah. It's a drug deal going down. How much? Okay. And then the guy pulls out a roll of toilet paper. Like, and he, he <laughs> it, it's the milieu of a drug deal, you know, but he pulls out toilet paper. The problem with your idea is timing. I mean, like, what do you call the guy from the bathroom or do you call him before you go in? I, I mean, how does this work? Or you, you uh, it's a very it's a very good question. You haven't worked Something, out all the nuts. And I haven't bolts worked yet. out all the details. <laughs> these fine details. John's yes, not a details you, guy. He's an ideas man. You you would it would almost be like an Uber like <laughs> thing where you just and instead of the car on the app, you would see the toilet paper roll slowly <laughs> slowly coming to your house. So when you feel the end of the session coming on, so to speak, you. Uh, Get the you, you contact. Well, you 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 probably have to give the the person a five to ten minute heads up, heads up, and then you'd have to have somehow have to buzz them in, and I guess that there would be that awkward greeting. Yeah. Well, yeah, the whole procedure is a little awkward, I would say. Well, and the guy and and the the butt wiper would also have some sort of mask on. The butt wiper. That's what they should call them, the butt wiper. Uh, and, and hey, how about this? For an additional an additional charge, right, they throw in some uh, fresh wipes. How about that? Oh, yes. You know what I'm saying? I like that. <laughs> fresh wipes. That's, I like that. It's a little additional fresh charge, wipes. but probably, probably worth it. Uh, let's see. Game makers and sellers. Um, so just to go back to John's idea, John's going to be noodling with that. He'll be presenting it as an investment opportunity, right? 
Exactly. And not only an investment opportunity, somewhere you can uh, um, 10x your money within a couple of days. Sure. And we're talking about 1,000x returns <laughs> by the end of the year. I uh, See, I like here at the Working Experience, we embrace Ponzi schemes. Like we, I sell it as, this is a Ponzi scheme. Get in on it. Ooh, 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 ooh. That's very <laughs> tough language to say that right off the bat that this is a Ponzi scheme. No, see, I think we need to... I, re- I like to see it more as an an opportunity. <laughs> you see it as to... a, tra- a trapezoid, not a pyramid scheme, a trapezoid. <laughs> That's right. It's a trapezoid. trapezoid. There's... There's so many angles to this. Oh, many. many. It's a hexagon. <laughs> it's a hexagon. So it's many a hexagon. Angles. No, I think we need to repackage. You know, like pit bulls have gotten such a bad rap just because of that name. I think we need to bring back Ponzi schemes in a positive light. You know. Well, I'm I'm a big fan of the word repackage. <laughs> we got to repackage. Yeah, exactly. Uh, game makers and sellers, no kidding. Oh, board games and puzzles were selling well. Well, that's good. These are not well, just... We, we had we had a plethora of board games in the basement that no one touched. Now we're breaking out. We played um, Life. Remember Life? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's, it's that's a good one. That's a very sad, depressing game in a lot of ways. <laughs> of course, yes. All you're hoping is that as you're careening with your family in the little plastic car that it slams into the barrier and turns <laughs> over. <laughs> I wonder how many people have been playing life as adults with their kids and coming to an epiphany of sorts about oh, the yeah. choices they've made and they just start weeping and they won't play anymore. Like, I'm not playing well, this my, anymore. My, my youngest son, when he landed on a lawsuit, would only sue me. So I lost <laughs> about a half a million dollars good, good. by getting yeah. sued constantly. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, fitness and equipment companies, uh, the actors. Oh, Pelot- the Pelotons of the world. Yeah, the um, guy who came yesterday to act in our little videos, uh, Scott. He's a big, you know, fitness buff, big guy, very good shape, and he can't go to the gym anymore. And then he said, you know, he was working out in the park, and then he thought, okay, let me go over to the Sporting Goods. Dick's Sporting Goods is a big Massachusetts chain. Closed. Whole place is just closed. So I guess ordering stuff online is kind of the way you got to go. Well, I heard that um, Peloton stock has gone up. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. uh, Wall Street thinks that this is going to be the big, uh, the next big thing. Uh, Not that was, I mean, Peloton was successful to begin with before the coronavirus, but a lot of people are going to brace at home workouts. Yeah. Yep. So there's Ergata Fight Camp. Mirror and Tonal, among others. I know Mirror. That's a that that Mirror. Have you seen that's that? That's like a spooky. Like, um, what's that uh, show? Uh, is it Black Mirror on Netflix? I haven't seen that, but yeah, it's it sounds... kind of a Big Brother kind of thing. Yeah, and it also like um, remember the Running Man, the movie The yes. Running Man. It's kind of like yes. that. Like she was working yeah. out. You know, it's funny how like we should do a podcast about Stephen King. And about all the things he seemed to foresee about 40 years ago. Yeah, that's true. It's yeah. amazing. It's absolutely amazing. Uh, like the, if you know, the, the Running Man was that, that uh, it was all premised around, um, it was a reality show. That, and no one had ever heard of reality shows when he wrote that book. And, or right. it, was a, it was a novella. And 
basically they hunt these guys down. They're supposedly criminals. I mean, we don't exactly have that yet, but a lot of the... Oh, we're, cl- we're close. Well, if you think of, like, Fear Factor, that was kind of a vicious, you know, like... Or, or um, what is it? Survivor? Well, yeah, that's... that's um, yeah, right. Joe Rogan was the host of that. Yeah, yeah. no, it was. They would have... Um, I think they got... Didn't they at one point try to uh, have contestants drink like donkey semen? So I don't know. It got so I never watched that show. I I couldn't stomach like ugh. It was so nasty. And some of the stuff was like, well, like you could like seriously injure yourself. Well, and the tone be, just became very kind of brutal seeming, like you know, and and Big Brother and all these basically descend uh, you know into the same thing. They all hate each other and. Yeah, so Stephen King, he was really uh, rather a visionary. Uh, landscaping and yard care companies. Um, yeah. Well, that's surprising. Yeah, so I guess they... I think, I don't know if Home Depot is still open, but they, uh, yeah, they, they want, you know, stuff done. I mean, I figured they might as well, and uh, those guys are working outside. They can maintain social distance, you know? I mean, so... I guess they figure, why not? Uh, Let's see. There's been a guy working on my neighbor's house for a while. He's been refurbishing his porch, and he just works alone. And, uh, you know, seems like kind of a craftsman. I'm sure he's, uh, you know, he might be doing all right. Uh, Let's see. There was one here that caught my eye that was really surprising. How about this? Drive-in movie theaters. Now, that makes sense. Oh, absolutely. I just didn't know. The last time I went to a drive-in movie was about, I think, 1997, 98. And it was up in New Hampshire. It was in Woodstock, New Hampshire, or Woodsville, New Hampshire. And I'd never been to a drive-in before. Uh, The one closest to us closed before I was really of movie-going age. And... I was with my girlfriend at the time, and I just happened to look it up in the local paper, and I was like, oh, yeah, let's go check that out. And it was wonderful. You just tuned your radio into a a low-frequency station. There was no speaker or anything. And we got to see a double feature for like 10 bucks, uh, brought sandwiches, and what. it was wonderful. I I thoroughly enjoyed that experience. You know, it it is a lot of fun. It is really weird that you can't even go to a movie. Can't even yeah, know it is. Yeah, it is weird. Yeah, I mean, because I, you know, thought, oh, well, obviously this would be a, a wonderful time, to, like a day like this, like it's a rainy Sunday, like this would be a perfect, per- day. perfect, perfect movie day. Yeah, yeah, and uh, you just can't do it. The, the movies I generally go to see are not exactly the blockbusters, so uh, usually there's not too many people there. It's usually a rather older crowd. Um. All right, so the big industry now is the, uh, I guess you would call it, what word did I put to it? It's the um, the doomsday industry. That is thriving right now. Right. I am in the, I'm in the process right now of building a bunker. Mm. Well, you're a little behind the curve. You should have had your bunker prepared. <laughs> oh, well, this process started back in 2013. Yeah. I'm just, uh, it's just taking a little bit of time. 
So uh, LinkedIn co-founder Reid Hoffman told The New Yorker in 2017 that he estimated that over 50% of Silicon Valley billionaires already had purchased some kind of apocalypse insurance, such as a <laughs> safe room, a bunker, or an overseas escape. Uh, let's see. Social media, blah, blah, blah. Peter Thiel. I don't know who that is. You know he's the is? guy. Um, he's a PayPal. What is it? He's got. He's like a VC right now. He's that big Trump supporter. You know who he is. Uh, I guess. Anyway, he has a New Zealand hideaway. Uh, well, that's the big thing with the uh, the Silicon Valley bunch is to uh, escape to New Zealand. Yeah, and I, all hell breaks loose. I'd heard at one point New Zealand was trying to be like, wait a minute, wait a minute, <laughs> like why? You know, they were trying to sort of put a halt on that. Um, Jeff Bezos reportedly rules over 300,000 acres in West Texas. So I guess these people have um, decided that uh, when the S hit the fan, as it seems to have, uh, you know, that they needed a place to go. Now, if you're not a Jeff Bezos... Well, it was was a big... Sorry to interrupt. It was a big thing back in the this this trend started with the 2008 financial collapse right that a, a lot of um, Silicon Valley Wall Street hedge fund guys thought that the whole system was going to reset and take a year to come back online and had bought these you know self-sustaining bunkers well what you can do if you are not a Jeff Bezos but you you need to have some millions of dollars uh there is a refurbished missile air force missile silo in rural kansas that markets itself as a survival condo they have aquaculture which i assume means swimming pools or something aquaculture movie theater dog park rock climbing wall fifty thousand gallon pool spa no, I think I think aquaculture is um, fish for food. Oh, okay, like th- okay. Like um, I think they have like a, like, you know, yeah. they have stocked it with salmon or something. Okay, um, pool spa, and they have ex green beret and Navy SEALs for security, and they have a water park. Um, now, just to put it in perspective, sign me up. How much is it? Well, a nine hundred square foot space runs about one point five million. A space Ooh. double that size, uh, about eighteen hundred square feet, is three million. Um, now nine hundred square feet. I'm never any good at this, but that sounds rather small. Nine hundred square feet is is pretty tiny. Pretty tiny. Okay, so that'll run you. I 1. mean, it's 5. probably well. If you put it into perspective, nine hundred square foot New York City apartment would be spacious. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, but that doesn't mean a whole lot. Uh, one thing is you're underground. That doesn't, I don't like that. Um, it does look pretty nice, you know, on the screen here. I'm seeing a picture of it with couches and flat screen TVs, but this all has such a creepy aura to it. Um, project developer Larry Hall claims the building's nine foot thick epoxy hardened concrete walls... (laughs) Now, listen to this. Can withstand direct nuclear strikes, 
And as a COVID-19 spreads, Hall said he's seen a spike in inquiries. Now, I don't know exactly what these condos would do for you for a, a well, viral. Well, here's, here's the thing. Like, you, you got to really, like, think this through. Like, if you're in San Francisco, Silicon Valley, or New York, right? And you have that. Where is this thing located? Kansas. Kansas. So if, if the world went to crap, like, you're not just going to... F- hop on a flight to Kansas, right? You're probably going to have to drive there. And then you're going to have to get through like roaming bands of people trying to kill you. And then all the people who are staffed to make this location run, what are they going to do in an apocalypse? They're going to protect their families. They're not going to save you or go to work because money will be useless. Well, uh, I had read, and I don't know how, I mean, obviously this would cost a lot, that some of these places... Like like this, I don't know if this place specifically does it, but they would actually fly a private plane. Like say you lived outside of Miami, they would they would get on a private. Oh, they would plane. come pick you up. Yeah, they come pick you up. But that obviously is a lot of money. One point five million. I'm not sure buys you an airplane pickup. You know what I mean? Um, and again, like I don't know what this does in a virus type situation and if there was a nuclear strike i mean how much notice do you get for that 20 minutes yeah not a lot no so i don't really know i mean right now then it's also too is like if something like that happened like a nuclear strike or like yosemite blows or it's like a terrible natural disaster that's going to, you know, the Earth's going to need years to reset. And, you know, 90, 95% of the population is going to be wiped out. Like, do you really want to live? Right. <laughs> right. Like in a bunker? Like, I, survive? Like, wouldn't you just rather just be taken out at the blast? Well, first of all, you'd end up killing each other in the bunker. I mean, can you imagine how that would be after a year? Just oh. the way people are, they'd start bugging out. Oh, I would be by the fish tank hoarding all the fish. Yeah. I mean, well, because I remember um, one of these places said they could last for five years. And it's like, all right, well, then what? I mean, what, what are you coming out to after five years? And if it's a nuclear strike, I mean, f- what does five years buy you? Not a whole lot, right. you know. And, and, and your quality of life Ugh. is deteriorating by year four. You've lost your crap. You've lost your mind. I mean, these places look nice, but that almost makes it worse. I mean, trying to fake like things are okay. I mean, hey, some guys can last 20 years in solitary confinement. I mean, they can do it. And other people lose their minds. Absolutely. I think most people would lose their minds. Um, Says wealthy people and even preppers may be responding to the outbreak in all kinds of ways, but one person who's already reserved his spot at the condo is Tyler Allen, a 51-year-old Florida entrepreneur who owns, and I love this, who owns multiple fortified locations, as he describes them. (laughs) For now, he's staying highly alert at home, but he's prepared to join his potential neighbors, A-list celebrities, a who's who of Silicon Valley, Republican, Democrat, no matter, at the silo when the time comes. Sounds like a fun bunch that I would want to be shacked up with for five years. I'd rather die. I don't care how many movies you've been in. If we're in a condo below ground because of you know it hit the fan, I don't, I, does it matter to me if you're George Clooney? Not particularly. 
I'll I'll kill you for that last morsel of food. <laughs> I don't care who you are. You know, I, like seriously, I don't. Uh, I don't. And this guy goes on to kind of explain his rationale and all that. You know, again, like I, I don't know, just the. I mean, it sounds great. You go down there, you know, you you survive. Everybody else dies, but you know, where's your cutoff point? I mean. You could have your, your, you know, spouse and, you know, two parents, two kids. Well, what about your cousin? You know, what about your brother and sister and, and his family and her family? Like, what about the pilot of the plane? Yeah, yeah, that, yeah there's, there's no room at the end. No, like there's no, I love how it's the United States of America when it's a parade, Right. But when it hits the fan, it's every person yeah, for themselves. Like, they, they, uh, everyone sells out of guns and ammo. Right. Yeah. Because we're going to turn on each other. And, you know, I mean, it, it's crossed my mind, you know, in a month. Like, what is this going to look like? Like, are we going to see undead walking down the street? Like, <laughs> I don't know. Is it going to be like children of men where there's like bands in the woods? Like, I, I don't know. You know, I have no idea. Yeah, I don't think it's I don't think it's going to come to that. Probably not. Gonna... Probably not. But I may take the axe from the garage and bring it into the house. <laughs> just, you know, and just sharpen it. Just, just sharpen it up. Um, but yeah, it's like, I, I don't. Again, as you said, quality of life. Like, do I want to live underground in a freaking bunker? I mean, maybe if it yeah. was for a year and they said, look, after a year, you're going to come out and everything's going to be back to normal. Okay, then maybe I could do that. But no one knows how long these things would go on. Yeah, no one no one knows. No one knows. And then you're trapped beneath ground with all these lunatics. What if someone gets sick? I mean, anyway, there's endless things. Yeah, no, that's a good point. Like, what happens if someone... Like, let's say you're hiding, you know, you're... you're trying to avoid a virus, a deadly virus, and someone gets sick, what do you, what does everyone do? Shoot that person and throw them outside? Yeah. I mean, seriously. <laughs> like, what if that's someone's husband or wife or child? You're like, you, yeah. And I could see people, I mean, I know this is kind of, you'd hope people would. And how is that decision made? Right. I don't know. I, I don't know. There's a lot of things that, uh, I guess it makes people feel better psychologically, you know, that they have someplace safe to go. And I, I get that, but. It, it is also this sort of, you know, winner takes all, like, you know, it, this went back to, I read this book about World War II, London, in the time of the bombing, you know, with, with the Luftwaffe and all that. And rich people were, like, getting out of the city to their estates. And it was like, wait a minute, wait a minute, like, we're all supposed to be in this together. And you're just leaving poor people behind to fend for themselves? I mean, and Winston Churchill. That, was, sound, that sounds about right. Yeah. And he, he was really admonishing the so-called ruling class. Like, you guys are supposed to be the leaders, the elite. You're supposed to be the example. And, like, you're just all... Well, that's what happened in Manhattan. Everyone has gone out to the Hamptons. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, you know, a good friend of ours has. And uh, I can't say I blame him. You know, I mean, he's got... I would, too. I mean, honestly. But... You know, and, and this is not a, you know, we're not in a time of war, despite what they say. Uh, but yeah, it is kind of like, really, you're going to just fly to New Zealand and leave the rest of us here to fend for ourselves? <laughs> like, how nice? Isn't, isn't that nice? Um, well, anyway, folks, we just wanted to uh, tell you about some good things that were happening, some businesses that are doing okay. 
Uh, hey, look, if you have a bunker buried somewhere, no judgment on you. Get in your bunker. Get your flat screen TV going. Just ride it on out. Just make sure you have plenty of booze stashed down there. Yeah, and if you have uh, if you have bunkers to sell and you want to advertise them, Maddie and I will hawk them <laughs> on this podcast. <laughs> I have the working experience safe zone, which is basically just a bedroom in my home. Uh, you know, New Yorkers, and let me let me tell New Yorkers. Let me try to dispel a notion because there's been, I guess. People from New York specifically wanting to come to Cape Cod to rent homes, which are now renting for something like $700 a day. Really? Be- yes. Uh, because they think the Cape is coronavirus free. It's not. It's not coronavirus free. So spending, what would that be, $3,500 a month? No, a month, a week. A week. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're wasting your money, okay? So don't... Nantucket has had cases of it. Uh, I don't know about Martha's Vineyard, but I assume they have. Um, basically, people on those islands are telling people with second homes, don't come here because they don't have a lot of medical facilities out there. So, you know, um, yet another industry that's taken a huge hit. Uh, real estate, rentals. I mean, who's really oh, thinking massive. about renting homes right now? at the beach, yeah. you know? Um, so yeah, well folks, uh, you know, again, keep your head up. There's a light at the end of the tunnel, I'm sure. And, uh, we're all going to pull through this, right? Or if you don't think so, you know, get in on that, that bunker. Yeah. Get into your bunker, close it on up, just close that steel door, turn the wheel <laughs> and, uh, just ride out the next couple of years, <laughs> you know, make sure you have uh, Netflix going, make sure you have something to watch and you'll be fine. Uh, All right, everyone. Yeah, thanks for listening, and uh, we will be back at you very soon with more uplifting stories and advice. All right, everyone, stay uh, safe and healthy until the next time. Thank you, everyone, for listening to this episode of The Working Experience. We'd like to thank our sponsors, One Circle Media and the Still Believe app, the only app that delivers video proof of the Tooth Fairy and Santa by simply taking a picture. Download the app at stillbelieve.co today and amaze your kids. And if you work for a studio, network, startup, or corporation and are looking for a partner to create media that will build, engage, and entertain your audience, reach out to me at john at onecirclemedia.com. I would love to hear from you. And that's it. The end. The sweet end. Until our next audio encounter.